0: subject i'm going to talk about today is um, peace and joy when i woke up this morning and actually to an extent still now i woke up with a blinded headache to start off with and i was in one of those moods where i guess if i didn't really really have to come i might have i'd have been at late anyway i might, not, I might have still come out of habit maybe or something like that to the meeting today sometimes it happens like that, you kind of with me, sometimes I find myself in a a really down mood and I don't know why, and no reason might be hormonal I don't mean that in a monthly sense obviously, but it might be I don't know, sometimes Um, sometimes I'm really happy, tend to be a bit manic, but not in a clinical sense and yet underneath it all I do feel the peace of God I do feel his joy but I have had to work at it this morning I have had to hold on to it I have had to remember who the Lord is and what we go through in the present time whether it's for a short time or whether it's for a whole length of time whatever the circumstances we can still feel peace we can still feel joy in our hearts we can still know those things That's what I want to talk about today. It says in uh, Romans 14, verse 17, peace and joy are often linked together. So the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. We mentioned righteousness in passing, but I'm talking particularly about peace and joy today. And I'll talk about them together a little bit and then just kind of separate them out. This is where um, Paul's talking about whether it's eat meat offered to idols or not. And some people are okay with it, some people aren't. The same sort of debate you have about should we drink or not? Uh, and should you drink when other people are there who find it offensive and things like this? And he's basically saying, it's not a matter of these things. These things are relatively unimportant. You know, if your brother's going to sin or you cause your brother to sin by doing these things, don't do them. But it's not a matter of these things, not what you should eat, not keeping rules, not making um, so, sort of extra regulations and things. It's about reach, righteousness, peace and joy. That's what the kingdom of God's about. We've done so many things on the kingdom of God. And yet when it comes down to it, it's maintaining a peace. It's maintaining joy in our lives. Now, you've probably heard a lot about peace and joy and and things like that, but some of it, um, we'll reiterate, that's better, and some of it might be new to you. Often with peace and joy are also grace, blessing, and particularly hope. Peace and joy are both fruits of the Spirit, they're fruits of the Spirit, so if we look at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and verse 22 and 23, just a reminder, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, what do we always say about the fruits of the Spirit? What is particular about the fruits of the Spirit as opposed to the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Character. Character, yeah. Everyone has them. Everyone has them or can have them. They take time to grow. They take time to grow. The fruits of the Spirit grow over a period of time. So as our experience of God is longer and we prove him in our lives. So the fruits of the spirit grow. So as we when we first become Christians, maybe we find that we can't be so peaceful and so joyful because we haven't experienced a lot of the Lord. We haven't experienced him in difficult times. We haven't experienced him in the good times. We just haven't experienced him for that long. But as we Grow in the Lord, and particularly as we grow in our hope, right? Our hope of obviously eternal life, and our hope of all the good things that He's done for us, our hope of getting to the end of our lives as well, having fought the fight, having run a good race. Then we experience God coming through for us, and therefore we're able to appropriate. And to grow in peace and joy. And the other fruits of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah? So our peace and our joy are based upon the hope we have in Jesus. In Romans 15 again. Not again, but Romans 15. um, Verse 13. We have, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that hope, as it builds in us, as we, we, we realize how much that Jesus has done for us, how much he still does for us, that hope of heaven, we grow in the sense of our peace, the peace of God. We grow in the sense of our joy. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 17, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep, i.e. died, in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. See, Paul's saying, if we've got no hope, we're to be most pitied. If we've got no hope in Jesus, if we, if we feel that there's no resurrection, if we feel that there's no, of, of Jesus, if we feel that there's no heaven that we're going to at the end of everything, we're going to be with him, however that is, then he says, it's so futile. But the good news is, he has risen. We are going to be with him. And as we experience him in this life, when things happen that couldn't possibly be anything but a miracle, when things happen that change our characters and the Lord intervenes in our lives, then we know it's him and we experience that more and more. And I am more convinced than when I was saved as a 16-year-old that Jesus is alive and I'm going to be with him. Not because I'm living in some sort of blind faith. I don't believe in blind faith. I don't think such a thing exists, frankly. But I have faith in the Jesus, who's been in my life for all those years, and has been proved time and time again. Even when I fail him, he's always been there for me. And so my hope is in Christ, and therefore my sense of peace My sense of joy is there. Sometimes it's a bit buried then. And I think that's the same for all of us. So let's have a little look at that. Joy. I asked Han about a song. I was going to play a couple of songs at the beginning, but decided against it, because I'm not quite sure what kind of music you're into. But joy can mean so many different things to us, can't it? Joy that I feel might be different to the joy that any of you feel. So I said to Han, what's that song, Joy to the World, trying to remember it? And so, yeah, so immediately Han thought of Joy to the World. You know the, the carol-type song? So Joy to the world, blah, 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 uh, that nature sing. I can't remember the words. But funny enough, I can remember every word to Three Dog Nights, Joy to the World, which starts off, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of mine. I never understood a word he said, but I helped him drink his wine. He sure had some mighty wine wine. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. And that's the one I was thinking of. Because that fills me with joy. Joy to the world is great, and it's about Jesus, and it's wonderful, but it's not my kind of thing. But the other one I could almost dance to. By the way, while I was in Africa, the worship there, one foot left the ground. You know, it was great. Let's say them again. The worship in Africa, full of joy, full of physical joy. You know, we're a bit more celebral, maybe. You know, it's in the head. But we're all. One, aren't we? We're, we're, we're holistic. So one part of it affects the other. If, you can, if you're very physical about your joy, it will affect your spirit, it will affect your heart, it will affect your emotions. But also, it's there in your, in, in, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, and that will affect you in different ways than your culture and everything. All of that affects you. Your upbringing, your background. You might have been a Christian in another denomination. where well, they, you know, do something i tell you what, just a slice aside. Don't do many of these, but slice aside. A man said to me the other day, he said, what, what what, what kind of church are you? Are you Church of England? You know, sort of mission off there, you know, doing things a bit different? Or are you... Uh, I said, no, 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 so we're, we're a we're a free church. We're a, you know, we're... Oh, he said, a happy, clappy church. Now, do you find that offensive? No. I do, actually. I said to him, "We're happy, but we're not that clappy." <laughs> well, you are, but then you're more clappy than I am. I'm happier than you. No, <laughs> not really. No. Yeah, I, I find that quite patronising and you know, demeaning in a way. But hey, he didn't understand. Anyway, we've got as much right to be called children of God as anybody else, because we are. We also shouldn't look down on anybody else because they don't worship like we do. You know? It's up to them how they worship. They're just not right. Uh, no, didn't say No. But joy, like love, because love is a fruit of the Spirit. And we always say, what do we say about love as opposed to liking? What do we say about that? We choose. choose it. We choose it. We choose to be joyful. Right? We choose to be joyful. Now, I think a couple of people said this morning about putting on a a face. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm so joyful. Oh, oh Lord, I'm so, so joyful. And you're dying inside. Saying, Lord, I choose to be joyful. I choose as it says in Habakkuk 3, 17 and verse 18, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will, use my will, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. We have to remind ourselves who we believe in who we trust in we have to think of our hope yeah our hope is in Jesus and even though we don't feel it we have to remind ourselves and know it and because we are holistic the feelings will come eventually maybe they don't come that day or that week or whatever we have to hold on As Celia was saying, we hold on because the Lord will come through for us. And some of us express ourselves differently. Some people actually do feel joyful whilst they're standing there in a meeting and they don't seem to respond at all. There are some people, frankly, here, maybe not today, but I don't look at you when I'm preaching. But I know the same people have come to me and said, that was great. But if I look at their faces as well, they're concentrating, I think, oh, I've said something wrong. <laughs> what was that? Oh, right. No, no it's not you. That's no, all right. No, you're always mine. Was it? How was it? Oh, gosh. didn't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm not looking. Anyway. I I'm preaching. No, but I know that sometimes, you know, it's like like preaching. Sometimes, frankly, you do a real bummer. Other times, you know, it's gone well. It's it's different for other people. You know, some people like you preaching, other people like other people preaching. Same with the worship and that kind of thing. If I'm discharging what the Lord wants me to discharge, even though someone might come to the end and say, I thought that was rotten. But not usually people say that, but yeah. It wasn't one of your best, says Han. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's made a nice Sunday lunch, and so after I've eaten that, feel okay? A couple of other verses for you. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 6. Well, you became imitators of us, sorry, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. So joy comes from the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So they were able to be generous, even though they were in dire circumstances. They were still generous and full of joy, you know? Joy is, is, is something that just comes out spontaneously in a way when we've experienced so much of the Lord. There is a joy that is it is beyond happiness, you know. But being happy helps and sometimes we're happy and joyful. You know, rejoice in the Lord and be glad. We're told all these these things. But it is a matter of the will. Sometimes it's easy to do, sometimes it's not so easy. But inside, I will rejoice, I will rejoice. And the rest of our being will follow. Of course, the presence of the Lord. Have you ever been in a meeting where the Lord is manifestly there? You know, he is so heavy upon us, we can't help but being filled with joy. The presence of the Lord brings joy. Psalm 16 verse 11, you make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. But notice the eternal pleasures again. It's, it's again about our hope. Also, well, it said right at the beginning, um, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness brings joy and happiness and a clear conscience. So righteousness is also tied up with peace and with joy. Psalm 68 verse 3 says, But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Yeah? They go hand in hand. Peace. Now as we've said with joy... It's also a choice. Now that might sound strange, you know. And again, when the presence of the Lord is there, there is a peace. There is a peace. The peace of God is manifest when God is there as well. Okay, it goes hand in hand with joy. What's um, one of the most popular? It's about a hundred times this. Phrase or phrase like it occurs in the in the Bible. I'll say it again. What phrase in the Bible occurs about a hundred times, a command or something you're told to do? Not about rejoicing. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. What destroys our peace? Fear and worry. Peace is a choice. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Worry and and fear about what might happen destroys our peace we can take control of our thoughts we can take control of our thoughts and say I'm going to refuse to worry about that now I do worry a bit sometimes I worry about the chairs not being straight that's just a minor thing all right. I can usually straighten them up Um, but sometimes I worry what might be I worry about church things like that sometimes and that loses my peace you know and particularly when I'm in that kind of mood I was in this morning, you sit there and think, "Oh, woe is me." You do with Jonah, you know? And Jonah's sitting there, and Jonah wasn't worried about the people in Nineveh, He was more worried about himself. That's when the Lord admonished him and said, "Jonah, not my way." So don't worry. And that's also a command. We can control our thoughts, particularly with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we can rest on him. We can put our thoughts on him. We can put our thoughts elsewhere. We can think of the good things. You can control your thoughts. There is a school of thought, which is quite old-fashioned now, that used to say you can't control your thoughts. Now, sometimes we have issues, like Joel was talking about, which need to be dealt with in the past. And those issues will come out in different ways, things we've been told and whatever and we need prayer we need perhaps a bit of counselling or whatever to deal with those things but generally speaking we can control our thoughts where they're going and we can say no I, I refuse to dwell on that because you can think of a million different possibilities when we fear things that might happen yeah. and I know this because this is me do you remember the um, Psalm in Psalm 118 It talks about, uh, I think in the authorised version or the King James Version, it talks about this is the day day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't come across quite the same in the the more modern versions. But it says um, in in Psalm 118, verse 22, "The the, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. The Lord has done it. He's become the cornerstone. It's thinking on Jesus. It's the hope we have that brings us back to the peace. <clears throat> Think on the hope we have. Think on the sure hope of Jesus that he will see us through, that we will be with him in the end. We have to focus on that. And sometimes we forget. We look at the immediate. We look at the circumstances and we say, woe is me, it all is lost. Particularly if you're one of those all or nothing people. you know. Um, You'll find that uh, you know one step back or one failure seems like the whole lot's gone. You know, well, God's not looking for perfectionists. He's looking for repentant sinners. You know, he's not looking for people who get it right every time, because otherwise you'd be sitting on the throne instead of him. You know, what he's looking for is people who submit to him. And try to follow his way. He'll make up the difference. He's already done it through Jesus. Okay, so again, like joy, even in the most difficult of circumstances, we can have peace in our heart. Philippians 4, verse 7, the verse that probably comes to everybody's uh, mind when we talk about peace. is The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends our understanding. See, our understanding, we might be thinking all these worrisome things, but it, it transcends that. It bypasses our thoughts. And the peace of God, the peace that God gives, is a genuine peace, a real peace. And again, that peace then affects the whole of us. It affects us, stops us worrying, stops us getting physically sick about things. You know, it permeates through our whole bodies. Equally, to be still and know that I am God, be still. That's a physical thing. Be still. Sometimes we need to sit and just meditate. You know, some people. I I remember feeling the peace of God in a meeting once, where we just sat there for about an hour. I was down in Southampton at a a, a seminar actually, and there was I was there with our Karen, my oldest daughter, and. It was just like the peace of God came towards the end of the meeting and we sat there and just enjoyed it. So, you know, it's a presence of the Lord again, bringing peace. But even if we don't feel the presence of the Lord, we say, I'm going to calm my heart. I'm going to say, you're there, Lord. You'll see me through. And we sometimes need to do that. Now, I love being with people. I love being with people. But every now and again, I just have to get away on my own. And particularly when I'm feeling you know, a bit tired, a bit down, those two things can go together. And you know, I can think the most peaceful and to an extent joyful experience I ever had was some years ago. I climbed up a mountain. Uh, I was going with some friends. But what happened was I was slightly ahead of the others. And I was near the... Well, I actually got to the top. And then some cloud came down and stopped the others finding their way up to me for about an hour. But I was actually above the clouds on top of this mountain. And I experienced, that, you know, it wasn't like sort of Moses. I didn't come down with white hair and two tablets of stone. But I was, I was up on the mountain. And it's, literally, I just put my arms out. And I could see the clouds coming, sort of rushing towards me and everything. And I just experienced just nature, but the Lord in that creation. And it was so peaceful. And so joy, joyous, it was fantastic. I can still, I can still live it now. It lifts my spirit to think of it. But it was a fantastic thing. And sometimes we see the Lord in those things, you know. You might see it in a. I, I find it quite difficult sometimes in, in large meetings, for instance. Uh, people are singing, and they usually sing in a song I don't like or something, and um, I won't name it. And then, but other people think, oh, fantastic, so full of joy and everything. And I'd rather go outside and just walk around on my own and find that peace, find, that, find the Lord in that. So we're all very, very different. We pull different faces, we look different, we act differently. You know, As Paul Simon said, one man's ceiling is another man's floor. You, know, you can have two different people with completely opposite feelings, well, ways about them, but they're feeling the same thing. They feel the peace and the joy of the Lord. Now, An interesting thing, that most references in the Bible about peace are about making peace. There's the peace of God in the sense of an inner peace, a peace of mind, a heartfelt peace. But most of the verses, in both the Old and the New Testament, refer to to us making peace, and God making peace with us. This is... um, from Ephesians 2, uh, verse 14. And it's talking about God reconciling the Jewish people with the non-Jewish or Gentile people, i.e. everybody else in the world. Um, But for this purpose, I just want to, to, to read these few verses. For he himself is our peace, which is interesting. He himself, that's talking about Jesus, is our peace. Who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility, i.e. towards one another, and towards God in that sense. He came... And he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's interesting, isn't it? It's peace. It's about God making peace with us and us making peace with one another. He makes us one. And of course, the well-known verse in Ephesians 4, verse 3 Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's talking about peace. He's talking about... we we, We also get peace in our hearts through having peace with one another. There's nothing worse than going into a meeting and you've got a grudge against someone else there. You know? It's on your mind because they're there. Whether it's both ways or just one way. And it just festers and it causes division. So we don't get peace in our hearts if we haven't got peace between us. And there's a blessing for peacemakers. We know. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. That's not bad, is it? Peacemakers. We're supposed to be peacemakers, not just in the church and with one another individually but also peacemakers in the world. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's James 3, verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's all I've got to say, really. Just to conclude, peace and joy are given from God. They're often linked together and they're based on our hope in Jesus. They are a choice we make. And they're not based on feelings or circumstances or anything like that. Mm. Though they may be affected by them, they may be more difficult to see in the circumstances, but they are there for us and they can be appropriated. And sometimes we don't understand how we feel that peace or we retain that joy. That's because it's past our understanding. But the Lord will come through for each and every one of us. And so we can live in peace. We can live in joy. And we live in unity with one another. Amen.